Hi, I'm Anthony. And I'm Thane. And welcome to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by Midpack Runners. For Midpack Runners. But this podcast isn't about them, it's about me. My name is James and I've just attempted the Bob Graham round. This is Runners on Trail, episode 18. So welcome back to Runners on Trail, and in this episode we are going to talk to the wonderful James Scott, who joins us by Skype. James, hello. Hi, uh, hi guys, how are you? We're great. Um, and a couple of weeks ago we went up to the Lake District as James attempted his Bob Graham round. Um, Bob Graham round, for those who don't know, is a 42 peak, 66 mile challenge in the Lake District with 27,000 feet of ascent. Okay, definitely not to be underestimated definitely not for the faint-hearted um and i guess the quest first question we've got for you james is what made you want to do the bg in the first place and how you got yourself ready um what made you want to do the bg um do you know what as i can remember i mean i'd started doing ultras and running in the hills and things like that a few years ago and i think I think I'd started watching like videos online. I think I'd started seeing some of the Bob Graham videos. There's loads floating online. You know, it's obviously quite a big thing in the fell running community. So I started watching videos. And I think at the time when I'd started watching them, it sort of seemed quite far out of reach for me. You know, I think at the point where I was. And, you know, so I sort of thought about it. And I think like once you sort of plant the idea in your head, you just sort of, it just sits there. You don't maybe know it's there, but it just sits <laughs> yeah. there. And I think the big catalyst was, um, you know, the more ultras I did, the more experienced I got. Um, I supported a, a friend, um, Roger, on his Bob Graham last year, just last June, and did a few legs with him on that and absolutely loved it. And that, that was amazing. Met lots of really good people. Yeah, and just enjoyed the whole kind of like, I really loved the whole approach to doing it and kind of organizing it and wrecking the bits and, you know, you know the whole stuff. Mm. I decided like May last year, at some point May last year, I just sent an email to the Bob Graham um, people and was just like, this is going to be my attempt date. I set a date because, you know, you just got to set a date, don't you? You've just got to get right. I'm going to do it on this day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then from that day, that was like, <clears throat> that was all I thought about for since May last year. That was pretty much what was on my mind. I don't think there was a day that went by right up until the round that I didn't sort of think about it in some capacity um yeah so so was that your point of kind of commitment was it that was that was it was making that call and setting a date with the Bob Graham round people that actually crystallized it as that's I think so pretty much yeah you know I'd, I'd sort of chatted to my coach and a few people about whether or not it was doable um because you just don't know because with something like that there's so many things that can work against you you know fitness is one thing but it, it's not really I thought at the time you know if, you, if you're fast you'll get round but it's actually not really um it's not necessarily the case that you'll get round if you're fast because if you might be fast but if the weather comes in you know <laughs> you're not fast so um yeah I think that that was it and I think that sort of that was then set in stone and I then sort of worked out a rough plan in my head of how I would go about and train for it and yeah, I had it. I gave myself a year, which I think was was a good approach. I'm glad I gave myself a year because you just can't rush it. I don't think. 
No, I think you're right. I mean, so I mean, you're a fairly dedicated runner. We met you on the start line of Transvulcania, and then, yeah, you know, yeah. you did 15 oh hours God, that year. So long ago. Went back the next year and smashed uh, four hours off the yeah, time. Yeah, you know, you you moved from where you lived before to Wales primarily, so you could go running in the Brecon Beacons. So you know, you're a fairly dedicated runner. Yeah, um, and I think the thing that struck home to me during the round, and I guess we might come on to it later, is you know we, we all run in races. Mm. And in those races, there's a broad spectrum of people running. Yeah. I think when you're looking at the BG, you definitely have to narrow that spectrum. You know, with the greatest will in the world, yeah. back of pack runners are not going to be able to complete a Bob Graham right, round. Yeah. Although I do think, I think from looking at it and talking to people, that a mid pack or upper mid pack runner can do it if they dedicate themselves mm. to it. And that's the point you made. It's a, it's a, but you've got to make that dedication. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think you have to sort of, I think you have to throw yourself 100% into it. Well, I did. And I think that was the right thing. And, and they talk about doing it right mm. with going up there and, and building relationships with the runners up there, yeah. supporting people on their rounds, meeting people. You know, I did some pretty hairy reckeys in the middle of the night on legs one and two during the winter with Kev, who was on my leg one and two, you know, like trudging through snowdrifts on Helvellyn and getting blasted by wind on, on Skidor and, you know, getting back down to Dunmail at like five in the morning yeah. and then him going straight off to work, you know, like, so that was the sort of thing that we did. And I did a lot of recce's on my own. Some of them didn't go very well. Some of them I had to bail. Um, as like, you know, you guys know when you went to the Lake District last, sometimes you just got to sort of get off the hill, don't you? Um, yeah, yeah. Putting yourself in danger. And yeah. Just... <laughs> Especially when you're on your own and I, that wreck didn't go particularly well. I fell, I slipped on a rock on, um, just coming off bow fell actually. And, and then, you know, everything then starts going wrong. So I had to make a swift um, swift downhill down to Wasdale, which is where I was staying. So, yeah. Mm. But it was, yeah, I mean, it was great. And then I met a lot of people along the way, some who were on my round, some who weren't, but were really supportive. And if they weren't, couldn't do my round, they introduced me to other people who could help. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of the different legs, how many times do you think you ran each of the legs in kind of build-up? Um, I, I think I went round twice, all in all, Yeah. pretty much. Um and I, to be honest, I was still not that great at navigating it even then. Like, it's really hard. Like, you can't, I don't know, for me, depending on the conditions, I couldn't, I could remember certain bits, but there were certain lines, especially if you're in the cloud. Yeah. There were certain things that you just couldn't write, couldn't remember the, the way to go, however much I'd been around there. But that's why I needed these local guys who I'd ran with who um, just sort of knew the way. To, it was incredible. They just knew the way to go. Yeah just amazing yeah unbelievable and in terms of training outside of the lake district was mm. it was it about running up and down fells as just as much as you could was that the way it worked or was there any other sort of training um, you did for it well my training i've got quite a good coach who i've been with a couple of years um, and my training is quite varied so obviously i'm i lived in oxfordshire for a year so i actually set the date when i was in oxfordshire and oxfordshire is beautiful but it's pretty flat but the crux of my training was once i moved to the brecon beacons and doing a lot of steep hill work i tried to kind of emulate some of the climbs by not focusing i, I spoke to um one runner who basically told me not, not to worry about distance but focus on climbing pretty much yeah as, as a broad approach to the training for the bob graham and um, she also said do your training through winter because then during may time it won't it won't feel as bad so that that was really good advice and i followed that broad advice and that really that really helped um 
but I do a lot of speed work, like on the canals here. The the Brecon and Monmouthshire Canal is is literally just above my house. So whenever I do speed work, I just go along there because it's really nice and flat, and yeah, it's really important to have that side to your training. Otherwise, if you just, I think if you're just on the hills all the time, I think you end up getting slower. Uh, yeah, over time, uh, you really need to you know vary what you're doing but yeah yeah you need to do the you need to do the hill work you need to do this long slow runs but also you still need to keep those fast runs yeah, in to keep yeah, the leg turning yeah, yeah yeah i think 80 percent of my running is easy running yeah probably yeah well i think it probably is but yeah and then again very briefly and um, mm. you've got a coach you know yes yeah is that is that something you i guess you would recommend to other people and i'd just be interested in what you think that brings to your running that you couldn't yeah yourself. so i have a coach my coach is called tom Payne. um and his wife, Rachel. So they'd sort of do a, um, they coach me together. Um, they're obviously married. Um, for me, it gave me, it just gives me, I like the structure and I like having the plan of knowing what I'm doing because yeah. when I started running, I was getting injured a lot and I didn't really know what I was doing. So I just, just going out doing random runs. So I got my coach after Transylvania, after that, that first Transylvania actually. And I'd already ran with them a bit in Chamonix in the Alps, um, and we'd met up a few times. I didn't really know what I was doing at that point. So the coach for me was good because I liked their approach and I liked the structure and I, I liked having the phone calls. I mean, they're, for me, they're the most valuable bits, like, especially now. Like, now I know, I sort of know a little bit more what I'm doing now, and having those phone calls and guidance is really. And honesty actually is really important. Is it virtual coaching now? Has it always been virtual? Yeah. It's always been online, depending on what I'm doing, what I want to do. We set a plan and kind of work on different things. And then we catch up ever so often whenever I feel like I need it. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we're going to cut now to a little bit of a clip uh, outside the Moot Hall in Keswick just before you started. Okay. And, uh, and then we'll come back and um, talk about legs one and two, if that's okay. Yeah, no worries. So we're here at the Moot Hall with Thane, Tom, Phil, Mike, Matt, <laughs> lots of them, and James has just turned up. He's wearing shorts, he's brave. <laughs> None of us are going for that, I don't think. How are you feeling? I'm trying not to get in the way. Yeah, when you're sitting in the car, in the car park and just like... <laughs> yeah. You got the weather right. improving through the... Yeah, we were just like sat looking out the window this, where we're this staying. This is as bad as we thought it was going to be. And it was stuff. just hammering it down all day. And I was just, God. But then like, you know how you're just constantly checking weather forecasts? Yeah. But now it's better yeah. than it was. It's moving away at least, so... Yeah, and, uh, and all that. Wouldn't want any less. <laughs> 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 no, who's, who's out first with you then? Um, um, <laughs> the, uh, people who are dressed for running. Dressed for slobbing around. Yeah. Should be by tomorrow. Yeah. Should be the coach comes out. Which one you doing? Leg four. Yay! Four and five. So yeah, I'm kind of a bit so we'll see how it goes. Ditto. Sort of just gonna hope he's knackered by yeah. that point. <laughs> and, and, and ahead of schedule. Same things are all the same things. 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 Same things are all the
Either of you, either of you done it? No. Any plans to do it? Mm, maybe. Maybe. After like two, three years training, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. A, lucky, a lucky weather window. And <laughs> my, my head says I'd like to do it, but I, I've done a couple of, we've done some long distance stuff and I, they get to a point where I just go, you know what, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Yeah. And if they're over 50 miles, I kind of don't enjoy anymore. So 66 with, with that amount of vert makes me go, oh, I don't know. It's only just over 50. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, he's nailed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're up north now. Same as climbing Everest, isn't it? <laughs> In total, <laughs> like 28,000 yeah. feet. Yeah, I think less people have died doing this. Than, um, <laughs> well, actually, last probably, year, last year, a guy died. Did he? Yeah, the Polish guy. Because I was doing mine and my leg four guy stopped into Kong Sports and said, um, said the guy in there, I said, oh, what are you doing? He was like, I'm not going. And the guy was like, oh, guy died, died yesterday. So he waited until after after I'd finished mine before saying, um, oh, by the way, a guy died doing this yesterday. Nice. <laughs> Good luck. How was yours? It was all right, actually. It was, um, it was a nice day. So, so you know, nice weather makes it so much better. Yeah, no, it was, it was really, I like, I got to Wadsdale in about 13 hours, and then it was just like, well, I just basically chill out now, and just, so I had about 45 minutes at Wadsdale, just having loads of food, and oh, wow. like, you know, just sort of like, messing around. That's very quick, to Wadsdale. And then, <laughs> and then, um, then I sat on Great Gable and ate half a pizza. <laughs> and then just like yeah came into honest uh, and then yeah it was actually it was yeah, so it was it was really good like it was nice to actually like have no pressure for the last so what did you finish in 22.40 so yeah it was it was just nice it was like you just didn't really need to worry about things um, I like hadn't planned to stop in Little Town but stopped there and just sort of again had like 10-15 minutes of just eating and like, drinking um, there is a bit there isn't it you just want it to be Fun. There's a yeah, point exactly, where yeah. time really doesn't matter. Exactly, and that. I'm looking under so 24, 23:59. Yeah. So, there's, no, there's no. I mean, as far as I'm aware, there's no when you sit there going. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's ranking anybody. I think you're, the, you're either in or you're out. I think the downside was actually um, because I'd been going so relaxed. When I hit the road section, I sort of was like, "Well, this is a bit dull." So actually, I'll get going. So when I arrived here, everyone was still in the pub because they, they were like, "Getting the rate he's going, it'll be like another hour." Nice. Um, so yeah, so I got here. And it was like it was completely abandoned, apart from the guys, two guys I was running with. <laughs> so it was like, shit. All right, that's time. You like Best of luck, mate. Bye. Best of luck, James. So James is off with all his support runners, and we're all going to go to bed. Uh, it's a little bit rainy, but hopefully not too bad. And hopefully we'll see him bright and breezy tomorrow. Over a dumbbell raise for me to start leg three and look so that was us outside the moot hall um you wore shorts um <laughs> which was interesting given about we were all stood there in tights and it was pissing down with rain um and you said you've been constantly checking the weather um how much did you thought about what you're going to wear and and how did that and did was, was your clothing right for the race and how did it feel on legs one and two i guess so i thought a lot about what i was gonna wear when we got to the car park just next to the moot hall i was I was always going to wear shorts. The only time that I would have worn like trousers or whatever is if there was snow. 
And it was like unlikely there was going to be snow because how I run here in Wales, I'm always in shorts no matter what the weather. Even in the coldest weather, like I'm pretty much in shorts. Um, that was just a, a sort of just a normal thing for me. Yeah. I don't know whether to admire you or pity you. I really don't. <laughs> Do you feel the cold or not? Do you know what? I try and focus on... I, I'm more worried. I'm not really worried about my legs in the cold, to be honest. I'm sort of more worried about the rest of me. So in the car, when I was sat, um, when we parked to kind of like come up to the moot hall, I was I had two layers on. So I was just wearing a base layer and an Innovate sort of waterproof jacket. It was, I think it was raining at that point and that, that bad weather had sort of just passed um, that they'd had it um, sort of midweek. Um, and I put a third layer on um, in the car because we were debating whether or not I should. And I'm glad I put the third layer on, actually. That was definitely a good start. But yeah, so three layers, base layer, uh, mid layer and uh, waterproof and then my short shorts, you know. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they were shorts. And I guess uh, just thinking about the round in general, you know, we went through and we'll get into it maybe a, a variety of weather. But how did it feel physically in terms of warmth, comfort, and stuff? I mean, you put some layers on, put some layers off when I was running you, but overall, you seemed fairly happy and content with most of it. Yeah, there were a few times where I was cold, um, but I think that was really down to other things because I mean, you guys know you were there. Like it was actually quite warm. Like it wasn't a cold time of year. It was just the weather wasn't great. But yeah, yeah. So I wasn't too concerned about the cold, to be honest, because even on top of the hills, even when the wind was blowing, it you didn't feel cold. Yeah. As long as you were you were moving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was when uh, when we stopped at, at different kind of um, support points that you know potentially got cold. And I think I stopped. I got cold on leg three, which I, I guess we'll talk about later, and I had to put a jacket on and. But I think a lot of that was down to eating because my nutrition went a bit to put on leg three. But yeah, okay. Bob Graham round clockwise leg one, twelve point six miles from Keswick to the Trockeld. Pick your way north from the Moot Hall out of the town of Keswick up two thousand seven hundred and eighty feet to Skidore over five miles. Then run northeast down and up to Great Carver. Then southeast down and up to Blencathra. Finally run south down two thousand two hundred and eighty feet on steep terrain to Trockeld to end the leg. Three peaks over 12.6 miles, 5,060 foot total ascent, 4,850 foot total descent. So you set off up Skidore, um, chasing another group that had sort of gone off six minutes before you. Yeah, they went off about, court. Ooh, can't remember, oh, 20 to 11? I think no, there was one that went off at 10.54. Oh, did they? And um, I think, yeah, and then you went off at 11. I yeah. think they were planning to leave at 11 as well, but they knew that you were about to set off 11 and they were ready to go, so they wanted to get ahead. Yeah, we, we decided to, myself and Kevin decided to just wait for them to go. Mm. So we were always going to wait for them to get ahead. Always going to be, all better to be chasing down than be chased down. <laughs> yeah, but we, um, we set off up Skidor and... Uh, even before the top, um, we ended up passing them. We weren't going particularly fast. We were just on a faster schedule. I think they were on a 23-hour or something like that. And I guess we should mention you were on a 22-hour schedule. Yeah, I was on just under 22-hour schedule, yeah. So take us through the legs one and two, really, because, you know, it was in the dark. We weren't there. Yeah, so I was super nervous. Well, no, actually not nervous, but anxious. Mm. Um, walking up to the moot hall, because, you know, it's it's everything leads up to that day and everybody's there waiting for you and wondering why you're wearing shorts and <laughs> uh, um 
And then, yeah, so once, but once we set off after like 10, 15 minutes, I felt really relaxed um, going up Skidor because we had a good group of us. I think there was, I think there was four of us. Well, I had four places plus me. Um, like the majority of them that I knew before. Um, and one of my friends, Ali, who lives in Chamonix, he, he came over from Chamonix just to do the Bob Crane, which was amazing. So he was on, um, he knows me quite well. Kev, who I'd done the, recce of leg one and two in the snow with um so we'd done that before so once we you know started going up that path it's quite a groomed path up to skidor actually and um, i think it's quite popular up there you guys have been up there haven't you and yeah yeah i just felt quite relaxed we didn't go out too hard because that's basically the advice everybody gave me it's like leg one and two just don't you don't need to go quickly um you know unless you're trying to you know go sub 20 i guess yeah and i felt quite relaxed going up there we, I think we got up to about 600 meters and, um, we stopped being able to see things like probably at about, I don't know, I can't really remember about 10 meters visibility. So, um, we got to, um, towards the top of Skidor and had to spend a few minutes going in circles up there to try and find the top actually. And I've, I've all the times I've been up Skidor on any recce's, like we've never found the top like properly we've always gone in circles oh right um okay. yeah like it's mad like and it seems mad because it's quite in the light i think it's fine but then when you're in the dark in the clag and all that is you just can't um it's, it's it was actually quite hard to find so they had to kevin one of the other guys had his compass out and we were just kind of going around in circles trying to find it but we eventually found that we eventually found the top and yeah it's quite flat we actually found the right line off for the first time which comes off skidora and goes down to a little style um heads off towards calvin but it was yeah it was good like we had good chat and it just takes your mind off it it just felt quite relaxed and yeah tried to keep eating you know every sort of half an hour and drinking and because i know that i know that's pretty important to get that going early yeah so one of the things one of the things you just mentioned there was you know finding the tops and stuff so there's a that you have to have evidence that you've been to each of the each of the summits yeah and so what what was the evidence that you were kind of that, that you were collecting and what's the evidence level that's kind of required to get a registered bob graham round well obviously you have to have physically physical people there to witness you you've been there um we had a i had like a little notebook with the names of each top and then the split times and then a space for people to whoever was holding it to write the actual times with a pencil to write the actual times in yeah um and i was also wearing a tracker from open tracking um which was so accurate like i reviewed the splits when i got home and it was just unbelievably accurate um mm. when it clocks you getting to that top yeah so i'd certainly recommend if anybody's doing it to get to go to open tracking and um they're really good so and that's as much evidence that you really need yeah um yeah and that was absolutely fine when i sent the form off so yeah and then we eventually um it's sort of quite a long trudge leg one because you're in the dark um the, the ground is quite boggy on leg one um there are just parts of it that just no point trying to keep your feet dry basically yeah, we got up to Calvo all in good time. Like I didn't, I didn't really know whether or not we were behind or ahead of schedule. Um, I didn't really throughout the whole round. I didn't really ask. I didn't look at my watch until um, leg four. I just kept my watch covered, and um, eventually got up to Blencathra. Found the right line up to Blencathra, which was a first <laughs> because we'd, we'd struggled to do that because I've only done that section at night. I've never been up there in the daytime. Right. 
um because i knew always that i was going to i was going to i was going to do that in the night time and we opted to come down so threlkeld is the leg one um support point and there's a couple of ways you can go off there but we opted to go down Hallsfell ridge which was so slippy and i think lost a few minutes coming down there and one of my paces kev actually took a fall down there i don't know if you guys know he he fell about three or four foot on like a slab bit of rock um because we'd taken a wrong bit and and hurt his back as well yeah wow is, is, is that is that line the kind of one that goes down the ridge yeah if you watch the bob graham video with killian it's the one that he's running very fast down right when i'd done recce's we'd be down there in the snow and ice it's just super dangerous on on that rock you know yeah and there are no shoes in the world that can keep you gripped on those rocks you know yeah, yeah. no he's never going to find them exactly um i'm just going to bring a little bit of a clip that i recorded later on um with a guy called matt who navved um leg three um and then i'll uh, if i might ask you some bits about what he said later on in the round but things i think will apply to this bit now okay yeah No, well, me too. Yeah, let's just keep going. I'm just presuming you know where you're going. Well, I do. There's, <laughs> there's every which way on this one. You can sort of keep low by the stream or a bit higher as well. I'm guessing higher is drier. Well, yeah, there's a bit of that. So, the, I did the Fellsman oh, yes, in Yorkshire yes. the other week and um, took my first ever fell race. Uh-huh. And uh, it was... It's interesting listening to my recordings from the beginning. You know, because I do it for this sort of... You know, you look around. That's yeah, what you do. Yeah. I'm going, you know, whatever happens now, this has been worth it. It's amazing. Yeah. And then sort of six hours later, I'm going, this is shit. <laughs> yeah. It's a difficult one, isn't it? A lot, well, of it? a lot of the satisfactions... Well, it depends. A lot of the satisfactions at the end. But also there are moments during the actual event where you just, like you say, when you look at the... The terrain, and if you get the weather, you just think, yeah, this is brilliant. I think part of the fun with these rounds is just the, is, uh, it's the training of it as well, and the recceing, to be honest, is often more, more satisfying than, than well, not more satisfying, just... Does he have to get to the top of this? Uh, no, just sort of, we've cut round into this little valley here. Uh, um, so, as Matt just said, there's no right and wrong way of doing the BG. And also, his view was that you know, almost the wrecking and supporting of it and that bit beforehand, which is part of the package that you talked about earlier, mm. is almost where the enjoyment comes. And when you're in the race, I guess, or when you were running it, I just wonder whether you were able to enjoy it or whether it was always that, whether there was always a bit of underlying tension of, I just want to get around and get it completed, whether that was worrying you to the point where you didn't enjoy it so much. Um, in terms of the support side of it, I really enjoyed supporting... Uh, rogers round last year like it was one of the best things i've been involved in and even though you only do a couple of legs you just feel part of the day yeah and it was just great like you know i did legs one two and then i did five also and ran with him coming in it was just amazing the support and the community side of it is just incredible so i know what it feels like to support on it and i just stayed really focused like i never thought too far ahead like i didn't think past the leg that the rest stop that I was coming into. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so on leg one, I didn't think past Threlkeld and so on and so forth. And it's the longest I've ever stayed focused for and tried to stay emotionally okay. So I did it that way. So I sort of broke it 
psychologically down into bits. And I, yeah, I don't think there was a time when I didn't enjoy it. Like there were tough times, but I, I think I enjoyed the whole thing. I didn't have any real negative kind of thoughts throughout the whole thing because I felt positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we'll come to some of the clips later and that's certainly how you appeared to me on leg three. Um, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just interesting to, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I know what I'm like. I think I'd have felt really tense the whole way around. So, you know, it was great to see you looking so relaxed. Yeah, I felt, I felt relaxed. Yeah. And what, was it a conscious decision to only think about the leg you were on? Was that part of the kind of mental preparation and plan and something you discussed with your coaches? Um, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. I think it was like my, it's what, something I wanted to do and that's how I wanted to control it in my mind. Not think about leg four and just be like, and just take it in, take it in stages and enjoy each stage because each, each, you know, each leg is so different. Yeah. You've got the different tops you need to go over, but you've got different people on each leg. So yeah, taking it leg by leg and not thinking too far ahead, I think is the way forward. Like I think it's a good approach to have. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you said earlier that you, you didn't look at your watch, so you didn't know how far ahead or behind you were, because the rest of us all knew that. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> and that was quite an active discussion, you know, because obviously you know they're trying to support you and make sure you get round and stuff. And uh, but no one, so interestingly, no one really mentioned that to you whilst you were doing the running. No, I not throughout the whole round. No one. Oh, okay. I wasn't in a very good headspace on leg four, like, um, and I think I was getting a little bit paranoid because I slowed down uh, going up Kirkfell, and I think I asked Phil at one point if I was going to get in under twenty four hours, which in essence was a ridiculous question because of course I was, but I started to get a bit paranoid because I was worried that we were losing time because I didn't know where we were in terms of time. But actually, in reality, we were doing absolutely fine. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to drop in a little clip here. Uh, um, yeah. And, and we'll have a listen to this. Pretty sure we're on Churchill, so. Yeah. If not a little ahead, so. so. If not a little ahead, so. I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah. Would you want to know? That's the question. Uh, not really. There you go. Then. No. <laughs> How are we doing? Like it feels all right. Yeah. yeah. So, Put it this way, if you couldn't go quicker, there's no point in knowing, is there? No. Well, closely. So look, in that clip, uh, I sort of spoke to you a little bit about your schedule. Um, and we knew at that point you were 30 minutes ahead of schedule, but um, you didn't. And I guess the question here is that whilst you've got someone doing the nav for you, it appeared to me, certainly in the leg I was on, that you, know, you, were, you were the pacer. We were just letting you run at your pace. Mm. I guess if you dropped significantly behind schedule, we might have said something to try and push you harder. Um, but uh, is that how it felt to me? I guess that comes from the reckies and things like that, of knowing what you can do. Yeah, you're right. I think the reckies are a good indication of how you decide your schedule. So certainly um, when I got the advice to train through the winter, you know, when you're doing certain legs in the snow and in the really bad weather, you, and then looking at kind of, what times you're doing those and then it's a good kind of indication about how quick you can do it in better conditions i just didn't worry about it because i think you can really you can really stress and i know a lot of people do this like you can really stress about time to kind of finish it and complete the whole thing you've got to get in under 24 hours haven't you so but i I just think it's an unnecessary stress because i think you need to sort of let your legs do the talking in the sense and time is a result of your input you know of putting one foot in front of the other essentially yeah. isn't it it's like with any race or challenge of this sort you know like 
your legs will carry as long as you've trained and you can continue on a good pace your legs will do the work for you and and time is a result so i didn't want to look at my watch because it wasn't going to do me any favors and really what am i gaining out of like looking and really if i'd looked at my watch and seen a certain you know 18 hours or something i wouldn't have really have known at that point actually whether or not that was good or not because i had no idea what time was supposed to be so i guess you're kind of reading your body really yeah and with a challenge that's so long if you could speed up yeah what would be the long-term effects of speeding up anyway yeah because you might then un- you know might come apart later on i guess on leg five it's a different kind of story when you're kind of right you can smell smell the barn as they say and stuff smell the finish line yeah i don't know if conservative is the right word but because i'd not done the whole round before and i wanted to make sure i did it so i i think maybe if i did it again i would be a bit more um risky with the pace but i, I just wanted to keep to stick to the plan i think that probably sums it up and I knew the pace that I wanted to go. I knew what felt comfortable. And it, yeah, I mean, it worked in the end. So so you must have got to, what time? Did, sort of time did you get to Threkeld? Um, it was about, what, in, in terms of elapsed time or time in the morning? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Both. Um, so we were in Threkeld bang on schedule. I think it was three hours 36 or something like that. Okay. Um, which... Yeah, it would have been quarter to three in the morning. So still that. proper the dark hours then? Yeah, 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 um, absolutely, yeah. And, and headed up, uh, up the first climb, and I can't remember which one it is. Bob Graham round clockwise, leg two, 13.3 miles from Threkeld to Dunmale Rays. Run 1,180 foot up Clough Head, then up again 760 foot to Great Dodd. Then, running south across a line of summits above Thermal Lake, taking in Watson's Dodd, Stybarrow Dodd, Ray's, Whiteside, Lower Man, Helvellyn, Nethermost Pike, Dolly Wagon Pike, then down around Grisdale Tarn, heading east up 1,000 foot to Fairfield, then back on yourself, running west down and up to Seat Sandal, finally descending 1,540 foot to Dunmail Ray's. 12 peaks over 13.3 miles, 5,650 foot total ascent, 5,300 foot total descent. Cloughhead, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the guy said that when I spoke to them afterwards that you smashed it quite hard up there. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't notice that. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah, I think we took quite a good line. All I remember from going up Cloughhead was the sort of the cloud clearing and um, being able to see some of the lake districts <laughs> while while it got a little bit lighter for a little bit so i got to i think i was a bit distracted and i had a guy on leg two called daz who had supported john kelly's grand round that he was doing um kind of just before i i'd started and he was um chatting to us about that so yeah i i don't even remember <laughs> <laughs> is leg two blurs or can you remember it fairly clearly you know leg two is quite runnable once you're up the top of cloth head it's sort of quite undulating if that's the right word yeah so you can pick up a bit more speed and that was really good actually because you could sort of get your leg going rather than just being on the climb all the time i had a lot of the same support runners from leg one that and they carried on to leg two and picked up daz who was a new sport runner and i think one guy from leg one who was going on to leg two but stopped at leg one but leg two was yeah it was fine because the sun was coming up and we actually had semi-decent views yeah 
during the whole round it was in the cloud wasn't it about three four hundred meters up pretty much yeah yeah the lake district um granted us like some nice views once every few hours pretty much so you know the, yeah the cloud would disappear you would see these huge hills and then five minutes later you know the weather would change so it was mostly um the navigators on their compasses actually to try and find the right gods and stuff yeah and the bit that you've just said about the navigators on their compasses yeah was just for me was amazing was these guys running no maps nothing else they just had it all in their heads they've done it enough times it was phenomenal to see especially in the in the clag yeah they just sort of know which bearing to go on and like which path is the right path and yeah like when you're off the path they just they know even the smallest little trod like yeah you know (laughs) like they're looking for this tiny track that you wouldn't really know it was there if you didn't know it was there and yeah and you need that when you can't see where you go and you, you need people like that because most of these lines are literally when you say just for people who don't know we're literally talking about lines where sheep have walked they're not they're not even on the map as paths normally are no, they? no, they're no. just literally just places you know easier places to run that yeah happen to have a good direction they don't have too much climb or whatever they just favor kind of running on yeah a fast pace yeah they know all these little um these little yeah these little lines which is great which helps actually yeah mm. so i saw you coming off the final peak down into dunwell oh right because we were on the track we knew exactly that you were just about to come over the edge it was, yeah and that was really interesting the whole time is that that tracker thing was useful not just for you for recording your track but really useful for everybody i think in the support mm. role and i as you, i'd echo what you said from those of us on that side especially for your wife who was driving everybody around and helping us out yeah you know, th- so that they knew when you were going to arrive and could be ready for you without having to be on the edge the whole time yeah um really good and you you all came flying down the fell and looked amazing and it was yeah this real sense of anticipation i think for those of us at the bottom ready to go and then you arrived sat in a chair yeah and it was then that i think struck me that you know this how much of an effort in a logistic sense goes on around getting a runner round the bob graham yeah absolutely organizing the logistics and driving around and getting people at the right times in the right places and just all that like it's so good to have someone there doing that for you and owning that so you don't have to worry about it mm. you, when you're doing it, you just want you don't want to worry about any of that so you, you put in all the work beforehand so on the day you um hopefully it goes all right yeah but um we came off Seat Sandal, which is the last peak down to Dunmel, and like we were we were coming off there quite slow, but I think the cloud had lifted by then. Yes, it had. I think there was like a little bit of sun, which was really good. So we'd we'd come down off there, and even Daz, who was one of my sport runners, was like, "Just take it easy on this downhill because you can trash your legs. Like you don't want to be going into leg three with your legs trashed because you just caned it down Seat Sandal. You just no one wants that. Yeah, um, leg three is hard enough on fresh legs. Yeah. As I experienced, and we can talk about that in a minute, but yeah, absolutely. Um, but well, I said it looked amazing. And then you stopped, you stopped for about 15 minutes. You were 15 minutes ahead of the stage. Yeah. Bob Graham round clockwise leg three, 15 miles from Dunmail Rays to Wasdale. Climbing west, 980 foot up Steel Fell, continuing east to Calf Crag, then up 950 foot to High Rays. Then zigzagging in an easterly direction across Sergeant Man. Thurnica Knot, Harrison Stickle, Pico Stickle, down and up to Rosette Pike, then up again 900 foot to Bowfell, then Esk Pike, Great End, Ill Crag, Broad Crag, 
then Scarfell Pike, the highest mountain in England. Then there is a range of options to get from Scarfell Pike to Scarfell, depending on your appetite for risk and climb, including 1. Lord's Rake and the West Wall Traverse, 2. Fox's Tarn via the Climbers Traverse, or 3. The most direct but highest risk option, Broadstand. From Scarfell, finally descend 2,840 foot to Wasdale Car Park. 15 peaks over 15 miles, 5,720 foot total ascent, 6,290 foot total descent. And then we headed off up Steel Fell. And this is the bit right when I said earlier on about people need to be, you know, this isn't for a, a back of pack runner because what well, I hadn't really done many of the records for this, this was it. This was my indoctrination to it. And off we went up Steel Fell. And within a couple of minutes, I was hanging on for grim death and that's how it felt I was blowing properly blowing hard I remember yeah and uh, I, and I can remember thinking oh, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this I'm really not sure I can but in the back of my head I, I was just hoping and praying that this was just the support runners going for it quick you know people almost like it was their first leg mm. the guys we were running with and that they were just pushing hard and away they go and that would be and it would slow down and settle itself down um, yeah but you know it was really hard um and what was in my head was oh my god he's been doing this for eight hours yeah how on earth um so i guess the point a question asked is every time you picked up a new set of support runners did it feel like they were thrashing you at the beginning or were you or did it feel comfortable for you um legs three and four felt like not thrashing me but they felt they were going at a good pace that was needed like I think, like you were saying on leg three, we we shot up steel fell. I was actually surprised about how quick they were going. So I wasn't expecting the pace up there, but I mean, I was going the pace I was going. I think the thing to note with um, the support runners, especially the navigators, is that they a lot of the time they will hang quite far ahead to make sure that you're actually when you get to where you need to go that you're going in the right direction. Yeah. And then, but I think always on leg three. Matt and, and Rich were kind of, you know, a hundred yards in front or something like that. I mean, I think you you can probably remember, and I think you and yeah, um, you and Tom were just sort of hanging around me, and Tom was pretty much behind me the whole time. Yeah, so we, me and Tom had a chat, and kind of uh, what we said was, you know, you should you shouldn't be at the back. No, feeling that you're being dragged. Oh, so we we kind of made the thing that one of us should always be behind you. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's what Tom was saying to me, and you know, I was learning all the time. But one of us should always be behind you, making sure. And then the other person is almost the bridge between hopefully you and, and and that group at the front or keeping you on track if you had because you're just in the zone as it were yeah if i'm honest i had a few thoughts about god why are they so far ahead like i didn't at the time i didn't really get it and i was just thinking wow like this is different to legs one and two because legs one and two like the guys who were navving that when they needed to run off in front they would run off to find the right line but then they would slow and come back okay whereas on leg three it was different and i think that's part of the experience that depending on who you you know who you get to support you they do it in a different way and you as a runner have got to be flexible to that because they're giving up their time to do it so and they're not going to run ahead away from you but i was always in view we could always see them um i remember but i was a bit at the time i was a bit like oh my god they're so far ahead like yeah does that mean i'm going slow or is that i guess that was the thought process yeah. going through your head well why is it yeah yeah i didn't really I think it made me feel a little bit like I was going a bit slow, but then I didn't because I had no concept of time. I wasn't really sure, so I just sort of got on with it. Yeah, and I think 
think they dropped back eventually where they needed to on, on the bouldery sections. When you get towards Bowfell and, and places like that, they sort of dropped back where they needed to drop back. But where there was open fells, like going up to highways and, and things like that, then you could still see them in the distance, so they're quite far ahead, yeah. 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 And for that first almost three hours, I think, we had some really lovely views. Yeah. I mean, I can remember it really opening up and trying to get my phone out to take a photo of you, and my phone decided to die and couldn't do it. And, oh, yeah, I remember. And, then now, and now I look back, and all, all of your photos that you seem to have are of you at aid stations, yes. and none of them are on yeah. top of the mountains. Because there is this bit, you know, it's there, you're there to do a job, isn't it? You I mean, mm. you know, you, you don't stop. There's, there's no stopping and admiring the views. It's up, get to the top of the um, peak, touch the cairn, and you're off. And, the, yeah. and as you said... The, the navigators, once they've shown you where the can is, are already picking the line off, and they've off onto the next one before you've even touched it. Absolutely, yeah. And it's just left to the guy, as you said, with the notebook to write down the time. Yeah. Um, and and then catch up. Yeah, but in hindsight, it works really well. When I look back at it, and I think, I mean, that was definitely the right way for it to be done. But at the time, it was just like, what's going on here? This is really different to one and two. But I just sort of went with it, and you know, you guys were there chatting to me, and so that that was good, yeah. And I guess for those people who aren't au fait with the, the Bob Graham, so the, the point about the support runners, as you said, is there's kind of the, the two types of support runner. There's those who do in the nav, mm. um, who've normally done a Bob Graham before or very experienced in, in the Lake District and therefore can do that bit. Yeah. And then there's the others, people like me, Tom and Pete, who are on that leg, who are kind of learning it, wanting to do it in the future, and therefore effectively act as former editor mules yeah. carrying carrying the kit for you because you just you don't carry a vest you, you had some gels you designed to carry yourself but water food clothing is carried by the other runners who are running it and that's kind of the idea yeah well i go i go generally speaking on most runs i go quite minimal anyway um some people take the kitchen sink but i haven't worn a running pack for a long time since i've since i moved to wales like i just carry a, one of these solomon belts yeah. that you just wear under whatever that you're wearing and you can actually fit quite a lot into it and you can carry some fluid in there as well. So I was, I decided to wear that and carry my own gels in there, just because I thought that was, I was used, that was what I was used to doing in training. So I thought, well, I'll just go with that. I didn't really have much for people to carry. I don't think. Yeah, I think they're kind of. I think consciously, people were carrying a reasonable amount of water. I think that was the biggest thing: the bottles. Yeah. 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 So let's cut to a clip. Um, I think where we can bring some of that into illustration. So we're at the top of the sergeant, man. James is looking remarkably composed, Ooh. he says, as he falls as over. As he falls over. <laughs> 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 You're out of food. Sure. You eating? Yeah. Alright, you got those on you? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Do you need me to carry the water, Tom? Um, you can just stick it back on the thing, I just can put it back in. Sure. Yeah, we can just. Alright. So, so that was you at the top of Sergeant Man um, falling over. Um, and then there's that bit of, you know, making sure you've eaten, making sure you've got water mm. and everything else. Um, what, again, was incredible about your support runners was we'd be running along and they go, around this corner there's going to be a stream where we can fill up our water bottles. Yeah. So it was just that level of knowledge the whole yeah. way around. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And there was that bit of, I guess, of, you know, how much water, for example, do you carry as opposed to being able to utilise those resources that you find on there. And, and without you good support runners, that would be absolutely impossible. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the heaviest thing that they were carrying of mine was I had two 750 mil bottles, which I used two on each leg. Yeah. And that worked really well. Um, I just had tailwind in each of them. I didn't carry any pure water at all. Um, I just had that when I came down to rest stops 
where Gemma had bottles of water and squash and things like that. Yeah. So they were carrying Tailwind because that that works really well. Um, so I was just I was just guzzling that all day. Yeah. Yeah, it's my go-to. I think I think on the later legs they'd increase the water because I think on leg four there were five bottles being carried by people. Oh, were there? I don't even remember that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, I guess you and, wouldn't know either. Well, yeah. and on leg three, your water bottles got refilled from the streams. They did, yeah. And I think because they got we refilled just before Bowfell, I remember. And I stopped drinking Tailwind after Bowfell because we didn't refill the Tailwind. We, I was just on pure water. And that those sachets of Tailwind give you quite a lot of stuff, but they also um, are calorie-based as well. So that was keeping me going. And because I stopped drinking that, I think... Apart from just general fatigue, I think that contributed to a bit of a low, actually. And I think we were carrying a stick of tailwind, which I should have put in. But but, but you actually said you didn't want it. I remember you oh, saying, that, yeah, yeah, you said, yeah, I just need water now. I'm sick of the taste. I can't remember. Um, and yeah. Bad decision. And so, and there you go. I mean, it, that's an interesting bit, isn't it? But I think by then, by then, I got sick of, I'd been eating primarily gels and tailwind for, I mean, by both, I like, don't know what time we were on, but easily 10 hours yeah. um so I, I knew i needed to change nutrition strategy by then because i was going to take these spring energy gels which are amazing by the way like around the whole leg but i just didn't want to eat anymore i just needed proper food by that point yeah yeah we had a cheese and pickle sandwich that we had a cheese and pickle sandwich yeah i think i think there might even be a clip of you eating the cheese and pickle sandwich yeah Brilliant. um and uh and then the other bit of course is you know all of us had food so some of the guys had pork pies i can remember you eating one of those had a pork pie yeah um and and i had a pack of jelly babies of which i i think i ate two i think i finished nearly all of those right you, you ate the entire <laughs> pack yeah yeah they were great i think i felt a little sick after eating all your jelly babies but... <laughs> yeah i was i was just more concerned that you didn't have a cream egg and yeah you were quite upset i didn't have yeah. a cream egg you made up for it. <laughs> Let me grow it later on. Yeah. Um, and there was also a bit on the on that leg, I guess. As you said, you were getting low. Where I talked to you a little bit about. Uh, and I'll play the clip. Actually, let's play the clip of um, me having a chat with you about it about being your choice mm-hmm. of, of how the day went effectively. Cheese and sandwich. BGR food of champions. Yes. Yeah. Cheese and pickle sandwich and water from that stream. I could chew the sandwich for that now. <laughs> you got to sweep down water instead yeah. of mush. That's the way forward, isn't it? Yeah. How are you doing, fella? Yeah, alright. You sure? Yeah. Funny with this leg, it's like cooled down quite a lot. Yeah. Because it's slower. You need to jump and let me know I've got it in my bag yeah. here. Let's see how it goes. Make sure you eat. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always taken when I think about this. And I've been, as I've been working up to get myself fit enough to do this, and, yeah. and thinking about you doing it, yeah. re and rereading feet in the clouds. Yeah. That bit where he says that ultimately it's about a choice. Yeah. You know, you've done all the training. Yeah. You can do this. Yeah. All you've got to do is choose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to say to you later when you're not going to go, yeah. no more. Choose. Yeah. I'm lying in the back of the car cuddling the dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have them there, actually. The dog? Yeah, I've got yeah. Dan Gemma, like, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. That's what I sort of miss on races. Yeah. 
and like home and stuff like that. Yeah. So to have them there every four or five hours. Makes such a Yeah, makes such a difference. That's why it's nice to have six of us around you. It's just yeah. like a party round. Yeah. What's this one? High raise. High raise. High raise. Look at the view. Yeah. Um, so look, there's me talking to you about some stuff. It was really quite nice to hear how motivated you have to have your wife and, and of course the dog on the run. I guess it's that question of it being almost a, a social thing as well as just being there on your own. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that felt for you. I couldn't have done it without her. I mean, even prior to the whole year leading up to the round, she had to put up with everything that goes on before a Bob Graham. It was really important. Like it was a, she was always happy to support me um, in terms of driving around. And you don't often find that with people who are just willing to get in a car and drive around the Lake District for 20-odd hours, um, wait, yeah, you know, put themselves out for you. Mm. But I think, you know, she's, she wanted to be part of the day. She knew it was what I wanted to do. She knew it, this sort of thing makes me happy. Yeah, so it was really nice to see her, you know, because I, I sort of remember sort of races in the past where, like, when you're quite run down, you sort of you think you sort of think back to what's important yes. in your life, and um, I always think about family and home and things like that, and just cuddling the dog. And so it was really great to have them there because I knew that every you know however many five or six hours or whatever that I was going to see them. Yeah, and that that was really good. That was really that was a positive thing actually. Yeah, and I guess that bit when you're running, you know you you don't see although i guess you know you know but you don't see how much effort they're putting in the background i mean she literally i think she said she told me she had to sleep i think um at threkeld while waiting for you to come down literally for the rest of the day then she didn't sleep and all she did was drive people backwards and forwards and dry your feet yeah just amazing isn't it like you just don't find that often somebody was is was willing to do that but i think she enjoyed it (laughs) just being part of the day i hope she did yeah i, I, I think she did yeah i think she did yeah yeah and and it's hard driving though because getting around the lake district to getting even though they look quite close some of the handover points they're actually you've got to go a long way around sometimes yeah to get to the end of leg three to get to wasdale is yeah it's quite a long slog it's like an hour um, and a half and it's not pleasant yeah. driving <laughs> yeah absolutely leg one and two is not too bad because they're sort of just down the road from each other yeah yeah but leg three is an absolute pain especially on those windy roads. And if you go over the wrong pass, then it's, yeah, it can take you much longer. But yeah, no, she was amazing. We'd made a rough plan of where people needed to be and at what time. Yeah. And luckily that worked quite well because I was pretty much on schedule most of the time. So we made a generic schedule and then just went, look, just go with it and we'll, we'll change it if we need to. But it seemed to work out all right. Like you said, I think she was, I think that was what I think I asked her after what was her biggest worry about that. And it was just like, she didn't want to, mess anything up in terms of yeah you know anything um, yeah so she felt a level of responsibility yes even on for it which was amazing yeah mm. yeah um just so you know we did also pass her a bit of advice was that if she had started to hear the words paddy buckley mentioned within the next year she was just to smash you over the head with a with a sword it's already so, been mentioned i know it has i saw you <laughs> yeah, mentioned, and then i, I saw you mentioned yeah. it on instagram like a day afterwards <laughs> yeah it's um i've got um the bruise is to prove it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to. I'm actually going to Snowdonia in a couple. Of so, um, unfortunately, it's been mentioned already. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Um, well, one of the advantages with, with, with Gemma doing all the driving, actually, logistically, yeah. um, 
was that there was always this the same car going everywhere right yeah so people could leave bags in it and yes. they knew that they would be able to pick it back up you know what i mean so i know it was really hard on Gemma being there for kind of 24 hours doing driving but but logistically it, it felt like there was a you know a safe way of not yeah. losing stuff and things i was really worried i was worried about the logistics in the leader i sort of compared it a bit to maybe what it's like to organize a wedding like i didn't organize our wedding but i yeah i kind of you know where you're worrying so much about it and then you just go oh just on the day hopefully i just hope it works on the day yeah and nine times and it does because it just sorts itself out yeah so i had a bit of a wing it approach where i made a basic plan but you could only plan so much for these things you know and, and you have to be reactive to what's going on exactly in the day. Yeah, there's a great military saying that says no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Um, you know, so you got you got to be flexible, haven't you? So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so we quickly drop to a clip now, um, and then we'll, we'll we'll push on from that. So we are three hours into leg three, and James is feeling <laughs> like shit. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, you look good. Okay. You look good. I feel better once I'm off the climb. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I can relate to, and I've only done three hours, so. Yeah. How are you finding it? Tough, but um, but do you know what? I, I, every time I think I'm finding it tough, I think, like, oh, yes, mate, you've done three hours. Look what he's doing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, your your great motivation is it for the training. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to get down to Wasdale actually. Have a crap. Yeah. <laughs> and Kazakh, yeah. Still <laughs> haven't got a bottle of champagne ready. Um, I'm not sure. She was talking about it. Um. So we'll see. I think she'll probably wait. Maybe she'll wait till you get to Wasdale, see how yeah. you are. However, the uh, general thing seems to be take a swig, puke. Yeah. Take a photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, um, it, we just into that. You, you clearly weren't feeling that brilliant. We're about three hours into leg three. Um, mm. But um, you say, you know, you're better when you're coming off the climbs. The climbs are the tough bits. Yeah. And I could certainly relate to that. I'd only done, you know, three hours of, of this thing you've been going 11 hours at that point yeah um you're clearly having a bit of eating and drinking but it's interesting that you you found the time to sort of ask me how what i was now i don't know if that was just because i looked really shit <laughs> uh, which i probably did um but it was interesting how much you were thinking about what was going on the dynamics around you or how much again you said earlier on how you were kind of fairly focused yeah i don't know if, how much of that was conscious or unconscious from you well i was extremely conscious especially the support runners, especially on the first two legs, because they were doing the exact same thing I was. You know, they were doing legs one and two in the dark, in the rain, in the clag, and I was doing the exact same thing. And and then I think later on, like, there were other people who were, again, doing two legs. So I knew that it wasn't easy for everybody. It was still, like, a challenge. Mm. I, just, I don't know whether it was conscious or not. I just sort of naturally was just, yeah, like, checking how everybody was as well. Because I know that, like, when you're doing two legs, especially if you leg three and four, like some people did, it's not easy. And some of the climbs are really hard. And, like, even though you're supporting, you still got to do it, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there is that interesting bit that I found as we were going around. You know, you realise as you're doing that everything's dedicated to the runner. Yeah. You know, yeah. everything is about you. Yeah. Um, quite, quite rightly so. You know, that's the whole point of being there. Um, 
And so, you know, if any of us wants to go to the toilet, that's fine. We have to wait for you to go to the toilet and then we can stop. Yeah. Or we have to go and catch you up. No one else is going to wait for us. The only person ever they're ever going to wait for going to the toilet is you. The only person they're ever going to wait for is you. Yeah. Um, and that becomes really apparent on the run. It's, it makes it a very interesting dynamic because there's not a point where you can go, well, oh, God, guys, can we just hang on a second? You know, it doesn't work like that when you're a support runner. You just have to thrash yourself. And there were a couple of times where I went off of tops. Um, and it was a bit foggy and I, my shoes weren't gripping very well and I just I had no choice it was just throw myself down it hope yeah. I didn't kill myself yeah because I, if, if I wanted to hang on to the group there was nothing else I could do yeah um, and there was one point of course where we got to the top of Scarfell Pike and all of a sudden it turned from a running on our own around the lake just this little group to top of Scarfell Pike there were five six different groups up there all trying to come off at the same time yeah i got i got, got unfortunately stuck behind another group trying to force my way past and lost you in the fog and had to call out and it was an awful moment because is that bit where you're going someone's gonna have to wait for me if they don't or if they've gone that's fine i almost didn't mind if you'd all gone and then when someone calls out to you and i come up and everyone's had to stop it it was agonizingly painful mm. um from a mental perspective to know that you've made someone have to pause their bob graham it was mm. awful yeah um yeah being a support run is a really interesting dynamic i found yeah and especially for the navigators as well it's i think it's a really big pressure to nav on people's bob grahams because you're a support runner you feel that level of responsibility for what you're doing but then when you're navigating you have such a big impact on the round you know i wouldn't want to do it yeah the responsibility level is it's just incredible and it must be really hard for them to do it but yeah. you know saying that a lot of them i think all of the people who now have on my on my bob either live in the lake district or have done the bob graham and supported loads around so they sort of they know the train quite well but it still must be quite a yeah a responsibility and, and the fact that you might lose you know the, the navigator is normally you know you've got one good navigator per leg so there's no redundancy in that or there's little redundancy yeah. in that element whereas on on the mules as it happened you had quite a few runners so yeah people could drop off the back or if they had an injury you know drop back etc yeah. yeah um i know it's something that that phil who ended up um uh navving uh legs four and five was talking about and she said you know yeah. it is a responsibility you know and just got to kind of man up and get on with it and yeah. if, 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 if i mess up i mess up and you know I, I i can take that but you know i'm confident i'm not going to i'm just going to get on with it yeah yeah absolutely yeah so look let's take a pause here this conversation with james is too good to just try and compress into one episode so we're going to run it over two uh and you'll be able to pick it up in the next episode of runners on trail